0: You're listening to For The Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty.
1: Coming to you on Monday, the 20th of August, and we've got a pretty packed show. We are going to be covering some Battle for Azeroth, now that we've had a little bit more time inside. We're going to be covering some Council, because there's been a couple of episodes that's dropped. We got some new news about Life is Strange 2, as well as some D&D stuff, too. But we're going to start, actually, with Destiny 2, because there's some new news for the Forsaken. So, Marty, you're up. Oh, that's right, motherfucker, doesn't show up on time.
0: He's got an excuse this time. Come on.
1: I'm a little disappointed that you came to his rescue there. I'm just going to put that out there.
2: Even I can't watch the dead horse be beaten
1: that much. (laughs) Okay. So if he shows up later, we will give you some Destiny 2 news. But seeing as it's Destiny 2 news, you might not give a rat's ass. So it's all right if he doesn't show up. (laughs) Let's actually start with the council. And Vince, you're going to have to cover most of this because, as I said last time, I was having a hard time getting through the second episode, and I have yet to finish it, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, Part of that clearly is because Battle for Azeroth dropped, so that's been my focus, and I've been playing with my son, and we've been having a lot of fun. But also, I just really was not enjoying that second episode, so I don't know if you're in the same boat. Clearly not as bad because you muscled through plus did the third one, so...
2: Yeah, we we briefly talked about it. The the second episode was, by and large, not great. Uh, It came out at a time where there was just so much other stuff going on, we didn't have a chance to talk about it. But uh, yeah, the third episode came out, I believe, two weeks ago. I played it last week. And I enjoyed the third episode a lot more. But before we get into that, let's run through what made that second episode so disappointing. And first of all, before we even get into the content, uh, I could definitely feel the pressure of a new, inexperienced studio kind of cracking under the weight of having to meet their episodic release schedule because, specifically in Episode 2, I didn't notice it as much in Episode 3, there was just a lot of programming problems, like bad animations, like nasty clipping the, the one positive thing we said about <laughs> the, the council was that the graphic style was pretty nice and it looked great it, that did not come across in the second episode for me in addition to the previously uh discussed topics with like the writing needed some more polish and stuff like that so the second episode just felt rough from the very beginning see for and, me
1: part of what made it rough too wasn't just those things though that clearly was part of it And it wasn't just the writing, because the writing, was I didn't find the writing to be all that bad. It was the game mechanics that they chose to put in. Like, the writing, to a certain degree, because they kind of were shoving down certain elements, like the religious elements, way too hard down your throat, sure. But it was because of the mechanics of how they implemented that that I got so frustrated and was like can we fucking stop this shit had it mm-hmm. not been for that then I would have been far more alright with it because initially I liked the idea of this this mystery wrapped with elements of old religion and different things like that and and history I was on board it's just when they're shoving it down your throat that it just for me got to be way way too fucking much so i just it was the gameplay that i i absolutely hate in that second episode
2: oh and you're not wrong because it started off and now for me like we talked about the end of the first episode elizabeth was dead whereas for you she ran off correct yeah so where did episode two start for you because for me it was lord mortimer going hey elizabeth's dead i know you didn't do it and i need you to investigate who did
1: for me, it was I was brought before the um, Mortimer as well as who's the uh, pale skin, weird looking old dude? Horn. Yeah. So he was accusing me of having killed her, and so then it came to one of those conversations that you have to hit certain, uh, not milestones, but you know what, I hit to tag certain things so that you win that conversation. The, the boss yeah, yeah, whatever. So I had to do <laughs> that with him to prove like. If you don't have a body and you don't know how she knows she, she if she was killed, how can you be accusing me of killing her kind of thing? And it was along those lines, but it was it wasn't clever. I didn't I did not need to use any of my brain to figure out, oh, I definitely need to choose this option. Oh no, I definitely need to do this now. It was really rudimentary done, uh and, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. But yeah, he he accuses you and it's not it if you fail it, which oh, man. You'd have to work at failing it. Um, Then presumably you'd be in trouble with them unless Mortimer comes to your rescue at the end and says, no, 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 clearly he didn't do it. But no, I, I proved that I didn't. So they were all right with it. And then it was investigate, please.
2: And that like just started off the episode and on a bad foot for me because a murder investigation should be a lot more interesting than this was. Oh God, it it was, dry and boring and i i just i was praying to get the thing over with after point especially because i don't know how the load times are on pc but on console they're not typically that big of a deal unless you're walking in and out of literally every room in the mansion multiple times trying to investigate a murder and interview suspects so it got really Really boring for me. It is to the fact that the actual investigation itself wasn't that interesting.
1: The problem too is that if you're not exactly sure where you're supposed to be going, mm-hmm. you, you can waste a lot of fucking time. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> and I wasted a lot of time for one particular quest of meeting somebody somewhere. And again, it is really not clear, and the map is not all that clear either so you're kind of guessing where you're going and different things you're literally at points relying on and and in that way I kind of convince myself that okay it's just more immersion because you're you're forcing yourself to remember different um scenes different like how a chair is placed somewhere and go okay I know where this is now I know where I am because it's a very big mansion but it's just is not clear like I wasted way 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 too much time on one quest and it was one of those that was one of the points that i walked away to it wasn't Mm -hmm. just the bible stuff it was also that i went fuck this shit i I can do something that i enjoy doing i don't hate myself this much
2: so through my investigation of who killed elizabeth the evidence actually pointed towards louis's mom but it wasn't concrete for me it looked like she might have had assistance plus at the same fact I didn't want to sell out my own mom. <laughs> so when I reported the findings to, to Lord Mortimer, I straight up told him, I think I might know who did it, but I can't prove it. And that was the end of that. Like, just completely unsatisfying.
1: I don't even think I got to the point where I... It, now, that it was didn't before
2: get... the Bible, so you had to.
1: Yeah, but maybe Cause... it was different for me than maybe, for you. Maybe, maybe. Because yeah. I I don't... I, I seem to recall, yes, a conversation about my mother, but I don't think I had all of the facts... In the same way as you, because for me it wasn't a murder investigation; it mm-hmm. was a missing person kind of thing. Okay. So it was it was different in the in regards to the the questing at that point.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, after that, that's when Mortimer goes, "Okay, thanks. Uh, oh, by the way, you know, here's the key to the room your mom was using, and that's where you get to the infamous now Bible puzzle, which, on the surface, would not have been bad if it had been like seven steps shorter is it the entire concept was your mom left clues hidden in the artwork around the room that would correlate to a bible passage would then sent you to another picture if they just did that like once or twice fine because like you said the entire concept of this game is using old religions both uh, mythological and active uh, and telling the story using those as metaphors but there was like I had to have been close to ten or twelve steps to this puzzle and it just became so boring and nauseating and like
1: it's worse than that though. Uh, it's it's worse than what you're making it out to be, because the Bible, when you open it, it just says, uh, like this apostle or whatever, this these passages, mm-hmm. and then you gotta choose one of the verses or whatever the fuck it is hey, kind of thing. But it's not clear the dialogue which
2: dialogue tree on that Bible is atrocious.
1: Yeah. Cause it like, goes, you it have to listen where to
2: them. Because you, you like five options and then another option for another menu with another six options. And <laughs> like, again, oh. but the, you
1: have to go through them to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming you're going to then remember what each one is. So when you go and find a clue, you're coming back and you're going, Oh, for fuck's sakes, I got to listen to a whole crap load of these again to know which one is the right one to send me to the next clue. So you're literally listening to some of these passages multiple times and it got to be way too fucking much no i i absolutely
2: agree it was just very very poorly designed
1: i will say it was for me one of the worst gaming experiences that i had this year
2: i can't say i disagree but only because i haven't played that much
3: bad this year yeah (laughs) wait a minute worse than like some of the destiny letdowns oh god yeah
1: I'm not lying. For me personally, yes, it was. It was that bloody annoying. It it just... And again, part of that is also because of my thoughts about that particular religion. You know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. somebody is Christian and is playing this, they might actually enjoy those things. and, And they may actually have an insight into, oh, I know which passage this is, and be able to work with it. So more power to those people. That's not me. And so... As you're having to hear the same passage over and over again, and it is something that you feel fairly passionately about kind of thing, then it's, yeah, I abhorred this. It was, I, oh, oh God.
2: (laughs) While I don't feel quite as strongly as Roger, I will say with all the difficulties I had with Destiny, at no point did I spend a half hour just being bored playing Destiny.
1: And that's what this was. It was
2: just a half hour of being bored and wanting it to be over. If
1: I can say one last thing, and then I'll stop ranting about that, just to give you an example, Joe, because you brought up Destiny. Give me a choice right now of running through that episode again or of playing a full day's worth of Destiny. I will choose Destiny Enough fucking heartbeat. Okay.
2: Well, anyway, if and when you do finally finish that puzzle,
1: Oh, that one's done. I looked it up.
2: Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I got fed the fuck up
1: and I looked it up.
2: The, the You then uh, progress to Lord Mortimer's uh, hidden study behind his desk. Did you mess with that puzzle at all? Or did you just tap out by then?
1: Remind me what it is.
2: Uh, that's the one with the paintings. And you have to come up with the date uh, for the painting. But I forget what calendar they used. It obviously wasn't the you know, normal calendar that we use today. I don't think I got that. Far. So you got to like look at the notes and the paintings and like decipher, like the, it's essentially a math puzzle, if you will, uh, once you find all the information, but what's funny is there's a a bird. Uh, I think it's a minor bird in Mortimer's office. And you know, it's, it's like a parrot. It repeats what it's told. So as Louis, I'm there like interrogating the bird thinking it, it might've overheard something from Mortimer that I could have used and there's a point where you have the option to feed the bird a piece of fruit or I think it was a piece of chocolate and like I had oh, enough gosh. skills where Louie's like probably don't want to feed the chocolate to that bird I think it'll kill it and I hovered over the dialogue <laughs> option for a solid minute I was like do I want to do this <laughs> I ended up not feeding it to the bird and I'm really curious what happens when you do
1: I will let you know <laughs>
2: so you get through the the painting you, know, you, you you decipher a clue you get to the other side and it's this huge study where you find out mortimers into all kinds of occult stuff alchemy uh various types of fortune telling like it, it it's another one of those rooms like the uh like the hidden bookcase one from episode one where it's just a whole bunch of cool shit and really fun to explore but in addition to that a lot of documents and like letters and whatnot that Make it look like Lord Murdimer's had his hands in a number of very important things across the world for a couple of
1: centuries. They kind of alluded to some of that early Mm -hmm. on as well, to you?
2: And and that's something that's going to come up later on in episode three, so I'm just going to leave that there for right now. But you you continue tracking down your mom, find out that uh, she did something. uh, The next clue leads you to the garden outside. I actually really enjoyed the garden because... It was uh, using the story of Theseus and the Minotaur as, like, its puzzle. And it was it was very clever the way it was done. Uh, you actually you got to the point where, like, I did the puzzle, I went to go, and, like, he, he's examining the switch. And essentially, it's like, if you get the puzzle wrong and you try to flip the switch, you're going to get stabbed with poison. Yeah. I was like, let me go back and make sure I did that right. And like, I came to figure out, oh, no, I actually... Kind of got the clues wrong like the story they were telling wasn't the actual story from the myth it was very nice very clever and like a really cool solution when i got to the end of it i i greatly appreciated that puzzle big upgrade from literally everything else in the episode all right i go down the fountain that's in the in the in the garden find a secret passage with a a dead butler you know the guys in the masks and pop up, and there's your crazy-ass mom missing her hand, and that's where the episode ends. Ah, okay. Pointing a gun at you, also. (laughs) Of course she is. (laughs) So, that's where episode three picks up with another one of those duels of wits with your mom, trying to calm her down, and yeah, this one had me on the edge of my seat, because Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, she doesn't put the gun down once she recognizes? Oh, for fuck's
2: sakes. she. um, let me get to that <laughs> but like she's on edge like she's she's fucking lost it essentially uh, and well her hand at least well, more than that <laughs> <But> a-
0: <laughs>
2: hi marty welcome hi. more marty you're my favorite dead horse so <laughs> i actually failed a couple times like i was on my like my last chance i'd been sucking down honeys and all kinds of stuff just to get through this it was it was the coolest duel of wits i had done so far. Sucking because... down
1: honeys while talking to mama. Oh God! <laughs> Episode title.
0: <laughs> that is the whitest of white boy raps I have ever heard in my life.
2: <laughs> because she was so unstable, like I did not know how to approach it. It was, it was pretty cool.
1: So, wait, does she actually down. kill? Does she kill you if you fail?
2: I don't know. I didn't fail. I'm not that bad.
1: Oh, I thought you said you failed.
2: No, I came close. Okay. Because you, you know you're allowed a couple strikes. I had a couple strikes. (laughs) So finally talk her down, convince her, no, I actually am her son. I'm not a devil. I am not somebody that has possessed the body of her son because she knows her son would not disobey her orders and come to the island. Well... Guess what, Ma? Yeah, guess what? It happened. (laughs) Guess what, Ma? You've been lying too. (laughs) And just... She is based upon her intelligence and her research, she is 100% convinced that Lord Mortimer and Lord horn are both possessed by demons. So that is the only explanation for how Lord Mortimer can be around for these hundreds of years. And she goes like, she goes, she tells like the whole history of like her work with the golden order and tracking down like these weird texts. Like it's interesting. I don't believe it, but it's interesting as hell. Uh, My. Personal interpretation is that Lord Mortimer is kind of like a Dread Pirate Roberts scenario. There must always be a Lord Mortimer. Yeah,
1: that's what I figured as well.
2: But I love that mom is so fucking convinced. It makes her a very fun character
1: to interact with. Well, she's got blood loss going on from the lost hand, too. So so she's a little bit. We find out
2: how she lost the hand. That's great. (laughs) Great. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did she cut it off herself so that she could, like, convince the demon she was dead?
2: No, it's even better. <laughs> so Mom's like, okay, you're here. You know, stay close to Mortimer, learn what you can, but don't, like, don't let him convince you to to join his side. So he's like, okay, Mom, sure thing. I got you. And then we finally get to the actual council portion of the council with Mortimer having brought all these influential figures around. And essentially, it's Mortimer and Hearn, Horn. Uh, essentially presents uh, present two sides to an argument and you know they debate it for a couple of days and whatever everybody votes on that's how the world proceeds so this particular thing that they are debating is they want Spain to cede the land of Louisiana to France so then France can then give it to America as we know from history this is a thing that happened. <laughs> mortimer is on the side of letting this proceed horn is against it and all the various politicians and whatnot have their own beliefs on it and it's fun debating whether or not something that actually happened in history should happen
1: well it makes you feel like you were part of it that aspect is actually pretty cool
2: and what's great though is again i'm staying close to mortimer i'm supporting him but i don't want him to win I don't want the Louisiana purchase to happen. I'm actually against history. I'm committing time crimes now. Is what happened?
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, what a surprise! A <laughs> <You> really? <laughs>
2: Legitimately,
3: we had a pool going of how long it was going to be before you were like <laughs> pulling off time cop shit
2: here. So
1: you are basically the beast of this group. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I accept this. <laughs> So, you know, they do some debating and then they like, they you know, they're like, okay that's enough for one day. Let's go back to our rooms. Uh, Mortimer asks me to go speak with uh, Manuel Godoy, who showed up in episode two, uh, the Spanish representative. And try to convince him to come across to the side. So, again, really good, like a lot of great dialogue stuff. Very interesting, like political, like I actually loved episode three. Lots of great political stuff. Loved? Seriously? I really enjoyed it, yes. Okay.
1: We talked enough about episode one for me to get a feel for how you felt about it as a whole and two largely. Um, Ranking it against one and two, not just in terms of I enjoyed it better, but how much better are we talking about?
2: I like ranking one way better than two. Okay.
1: On a scale of one to 10, with the first one versus the third.
2: I'm trying to think because the first one had that, like, experience like it was your, the first time experience and like the joy of exploration and getting to know everybody whereas episode three was really more using that knowledge and really getting into again the good dialogue stuff that episode one did well it, it's all the best parts of episode one in my eyes without a lot of the filler that we needed to get there
1: okay let me put it in one last way that is it okay. worse getting through two for me to get to three because Maybe. I'm on the fence about finishing this game, I'm just going to be. Let, let me, about
2: it. let me, let me finish my my because there's some more stuff coming up that might scare you off. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so I go to Godoy and I convince him to join Mortimer's side. Like, and again, it was it was a lot of really good the the dialogue, the duel of wits mechanics, the the successes and failures. We've been over it. It's a a really good system, and it works well here. Go back to my room, where Duchess Hillsborough is waiting for me. Duchess Hillsborough is against Mortimer's plan, and she wants to convince me to join her side. Well, my entire intention is to join her side in the first place. So I make her think she's being really convincing and wins me over, when, of course, that was my plan all along. But through playing it, I was like, she's acting differently The scene ends. I don't know how it ends if you blow her off. But since I joined her side, there was a a night together. And it occurred to me, I should go check my menus because something felt off about it. It's the fucking twin that we thought was dead. Dude. Yeah. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, she's not she's not acting the same. This is not how Emily acted towards Louis. So I was like, okay, continuing at this, go on to the next day.
1: Okay, yeah, but did it feel like it was a red herring just thrown into, titillated into, kind of throw you off? Or did it feel organic oh, with the story? <laughs> it's I going somewhere. I keep cutting you off and you have a plan. My apologies.
2: <laughs> so you get to the next day of the council and like they're, everybody's starting the debate again. And then good old Jacques, who I don't know how much time he spent talking to Jacques in episode two. But he's having a crisis of conscience. Apparently, you know, he is so firmly indebted to Lord Mortimer, he feels his life is no longer his
1: own. It wasn't so that far his... with me. It wasn't okay. that... It, although there were little phrases that were said that kind of mm-hmm. alluded to some of that. I mean,
2: like... If you had continued and talked to him more, you would have seen... And then also, early on in episode three, you know, he he's not happy. So, at day two of the conference, he fucking shoots himself in the head. Dude! And okay, as wow. as Louie, the dialogue option, let it happen or intervene.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake! I enjoyed a sip of wine. And you wonder why we say these things about you. Okay, first of all,
2: <laughs> that guy's an asshole. Of, yeah. <laughs> Second of all, he doesn't really wonder. Second of all, he was a supporter of Mortimer's plan. So now that kind of... Uh, weakens mortimer's position without me having to do anything i'm great
0: at politics oh my god vince oh my god you're
1: great at being a sociopath is what you <laughs> go,
0: right, you've right, you got that, right that right nailed
3: right that's,
2: now <laughs> that's what he said he's great at politics yeah oh
0: man man
2: of course they they adjourn for the day uh, I, I forget exactly how you get there i think washington comes and goes hey Uh, Something's going along in the Duchess's room. The door is locked. I hear shouting. Uh, You know, sneak around. Blah blah blah. Mom is in the Duchess's room, passed out on the floor, as the Duchess is pointing a gun at the Duchess. Repeat that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Repeat that. (laughs) Emily Ah, and Emma are both there, angry at each other. All right because one of them stole the other's life, blah, blah, blah. They do the whole fucking Looney Tunes. I'm the real Duchess. She's the imposter. Shoot her. Oh, no, really? I enjoyed it because... Really? You you have to think and figure out which one is the real one based on how they react to the questioning. And if you've been playing the game well and paying attention you know that Emily has certain uh, weaknesses and strengths uh, to various questioning tactics that Emma doesn't have. Emmas are different. So you have to go in there and figure out through through the questioning which one is which, and I I did.
1: Emmas are different? She's not a fucking android line. (laughs) They're different people. They have different (laughs) psychological preferences.
2: I don't understand what's so bad about saying that. (laughs)
1: moving on (laughs) moving on Uh,
2: that scene settled uh, with uh, a dead twin having (laughs) chaos is ensuing Louie and mom GTFO because there's more important things to do because mom has discovered the source of Lord Mortimer's demonic possession and there's another elaborate puzzle that you have to solve in order to get there. So this is more, This again, Roger, this is what I was like, wait until I get to the end. It's another uh, Christian-centric puzzle. Wait, have faith in me. <laughs> I'm just, just putting it out there. This time with uh, a, a massive painting of uh, the birth of Jesus. And it. this one is definitely more, uh, where do I look? god uh more more based in fact in history than scripture though because you have to figure out you know what day did this event take place on and go through you know you got to go around the castle get a bunch of uh things you need to solve it a- again much like the painting in mortimer's office you had to do some uh calculating trying to figure out the dates because it's a different calendar yeah you know, what phase of the moon was it like it's a very complex puzzle to solve to find out whether you're right or not, you have to stick your hand into a hole and pull a lever.
1: Oh, For fuck's sakes, this is Indiana Jones now. A hole that's covered in blood. Spiders. Guess blood. how mom
2: lost her hand. Oh. <laughs> you got it wrong. So, again, it was one of those, <gasps> all right, I'm almost positive I have the puzzle solved correctly. Stick your hand in there. And Louie's like, all right, if this is wrong, not going to be good. I sat there for like. I pulled my hand out, <laughs> went back, double-checked all my answers before I reached back in and pulled the lever. <laughs> because it's a great uh, show-don't-tell moment of we know what happens if you get the puzzle wrong, and it sets a lot of tension for that scene. And I would love to see some one-handed Louis running around.
1: Point. <laughs> Between that and the scar on his nose. <laughs> this is not going well for Louis.
2: So yeah, especially compared to episode two, uh, I liked episode three. But I felt beginning to end, it was actually very strong with uh, all the dialogue stuff. Some legitimately over the top, but very enjoyable character shit that went down. People are starting to die. It, it's It's getting crazy. But the kind of crazy that I really enjoy.
1: Okay, fair enough. Well, I will play through the second one at some point then to get to it, because it does sound like it's all right. Okay, Marty, you still there?
0: I am. I'm just uh, reeling from the revelations that Vince is more like (laughs) Frank Underwood than I thought.
2: Welcome to our world. Please don't ever compare me to Kevin Spacey. (laughs) Yeah, really?
1: That was... (laughs) Oh, Oh, I apologize.
0: Uh, The House of Cards original actor, not the predator i apologize you're
1: you're yeah let's let's move on please (laughs) marty i would have
2: appreciated that that comparison a lot more like two years ago (laughs) next week
1: he's going to compare you to cosby okay marty how about Uh, some destiny 2 news
0: so uh we are quickly coming to the end of the festival uh it's going to call the festival of heroes, but it's called the solstice of heroes event, which is the, not the pre forsaken warm-up, but this is a summer event in destiny two where it basically just celebrates the, uh, everything you've done so far in the game. Um, if you are like me and you're about halfway done with all the things you can get done, you just bought your t-shirt with your gamer tag on it because you're a sucker for you're playing this game. You're still a sucker for Bungie and Bungie related things. So, Congrats on your T-shirt. You gave them more money? Oh, my God. The t- I got a T-shirt for accomplishing something <laughs> in a video game. That's no, worth it. No, no. You didn't get a T-shirt. They gave you the opportunity to buy a T-shirt. Here's your reward. A chance to give us money. Which is fine. This is really great T-shirt. Uh, Trans media is a thing. And people wear T-shirts all the time. So, you know what? I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm happy you're happy with the t-shirt.
2: Thank you. Thank you for being happy for me. In any other setting, you know what? Accomplishing (laughs) something cool and being able to buy an exclusive t-shirt is a
0: legitimately interesting and cool reward. Just It's a little weird this time around. Oh, it's it's, it's incredibly weird. But like, look, I ain't going to do a fucking tough mutter. So this is as close as I'm going to get playing a video game. So I'm enjoying it. Um, the, the, the neat thing about this particular event is that once you unlock the, uh, first redo mission, you get to level up your armor as it, as you do specific tasks, as you do specific grinds. Uh, it took me about two weeks of playing every other day, uh, to unlock all the particular aspects of this armor. And I could still try to do more. Uh, for the record, Ice-T also uh, unlocked his T-shirt. I don't know if he bought it, um, but whatever. It's Ice-T. He can do what he wants. Uh, the next big thing for Destiny, though, will be the as the Solstice of Hero ends August 28th, the next phase of the Forsaken pre-patch will launch, and this is where the data-mined Spicy Ramen Quest slash Tribute to Cayde 6 is about to take place. Uh, From what we can tell, you're going to be able to get coupons and tokens for a long gone restaurant and give them to Cade as an honor. So because we know that shortly into the Forsaken X-Pack, he will be buying the farm. So uh, in short, as as
2: a special reward, Bungie will open a, a ramen restaurant and let you go there
0: and buy food. I would totally do that. Who am I fucking kidding? I would totally do
1: that. Ramen <laughs> is delicious. That's been made abundantly clear already, Marty. <laughs> I know. It's
0: fine. It's fine. Um, look, you need clothes. Why not get clothes that talk something about you? One of your favorite video games. Who cares? Um, So what's interesting, though, as the Solstice of Heroes wraps up, is seeing how they... Uh, redo some of these missions. Uh, how they want you to do the grind. Some people are very interested in how it's changing the meta because it's bringing in all sorts of people into the crucible. Which, I mean, that's fine. Uh, I don't really care one way or the other. I'm having fun with this game, and I, well, I'm good at
1: PVP. You want as many people as you can in PVP, just so that you have a balance, so it's not just all not pro players, you know, but exceptionally good PvP, or the more players you have in PvP, the more likelihood there will be that there will be more that aren't as good as you, that you can actually win. So, the more the better as far as I'm concerned.
0: And I was able to shoot the newer blueberries, and that's all that matters. Like, I won, they didn't. (laughs) Um, The next bit after... So, the patch 2.0 drops September 4th. Uh, So... We will be there will be any number of amazing changes to this game, including you can delete multiple shaders. And there is an amazing statistic that we have spent 27 years as a community deleting shaders, which is mind boggling. But whatever. Um, But they're still in there. They're still in there. Uh, A gigantic change to the mod system is coming not a lot of details on what is going on with the mods other than you won't be able to change the elemental type of your gun. It will be a assigned trait depending on the role that you get. Uh, hard light being the only gun Oh, hard light and the sniper rifle will be the only two guns that you can change their elemental type.
1: To briefly go back to the the shaders thing. That's one of the very big issues that I have with them, not so much just the shaders, but the fact that they actually take pride in their time sinks, because the, when you are bragging about how many years your player base has wasted in your game on one horrible aspect of the game that nobody liked, that's that really sets the tone for the rest of the yeah.
0: game. No, they were They weren't bragging about it. The community was discussing it and breaking it down that way. I'm sorry for but the confusion.
1: It's still something that it's like, who, who released that information?
0: It's probably from the API or somebody. could. Uh, it was off of Reddit, and they may have just pulled it. Yeah, it, it, Bungie didn't do
2: the calculations as themselves, but they oh, did. Oh, see, I thought that they, in the, yeah, they, in, in this yeah. week at Bungie, right? Because I, I thought yeah. I had read it
1: from Bungie, so it's one of those. Why would you I, I th- fucking advertise this shit?
2: As Bungie, like, uh, like a mea culpa. I was like, yeah, we fucked up. This is how much time we wasted for our players.
1: Because yeah. more so than that, I've wasted more time running between the bank and the uh, the mail. Just so that I could grab shit because it wouldn't all fit in my storage. Like mm-hmm. again, it's it's ridiculous time sinks that are obvious time sinks, and in a game that fucking doesn't need it.
0: Yeah, like there was so much rejoicing when you could just delete straight from the mailbox. Like that's great. I delete all that shit all the time. Um, but I think the next couple of weeks are all going to be about the build up to Forsaken, the uh the release of this eventual quest is going to have the community you know like uh, there's a lot of salt on reddit and on the forums about like where the state of destiny is but the minute they killed cade all of a sudden people are really invested in this game again which is uh interesting on a, on multiple levels and uh i'm enjoying it still so yeah what ups. i like it it's good well it's good for me not for most other people.
2: I mean, it, it's interesting though like what I've read in that Bungie is realizing that the core audience that they need to go after is that hardcore audience, that Marty audience the ones who will do the events and I think at very least them recognizing and admitting that it's fine because it's they're no longer they're no longer trying to get the everyman gamer because they realize yeah. that every man gamer isn't their their money ticket that it's the martys and and other players who will put in for the long haul and play this game every week for years to come that that's who they want to go after and I, I, I...
0: if I was 10 years younger, I would probably be more, Hardcore about the game than I am, Mm -hmm. but because, you know, I have a lot of things that I want to learn and a lot of other things to do. I can't devote and I don't want to devote a lot of time um, to this game, Uh, mostly because like I'm gun shy about new MMO communities, uh, especially on the console. I just I don't know about you guys, but I got yelled at a lot in the early days of Halo by 12 year olds, which really irritated me um, because That is not something I experience on a regular basis. (laughs) And I work with 12 year olds sometimes. So it's not in my wheelhouse. Um, And I just, I'm pretty gun shy about it. Unlike with say, wow, where I've always enjoyed that community, uh, some aspects of it more than others, but it's it's something about that particular game um, that, you know, I got to do these escalation protocols, which is a horde mode type Thing that they introduced in Warmind which has been a lot of fun and I was in a fire team uh, that chained fire teams so that there's like nine of us running around shooting Hive um, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, mm-hmm. Breaking the rules but it was a lot of fun to do. Well,
2: um, but what, I'm, what I'm getting at is essentially they're saying Vince we're not designing this game for you. We you can still play the game if you want and you can still possibly have fun but for the style of game you want to play, that is not what we're going to go forward designing this game as. Like They've recognized what type of... Finally, after four years, they've recognized what they want to do with their game, and they're just focusing on that. And that's fine. Not every game has to be for me. I'm happy they said that. They didn't say that specifically, but you know what I mean. By, yeah, by totally. saying that they're, they're focusing on the long-haul players, the ones who put in the hours. And yes, stuff's going to be grindy, but that's okay because that's what their core player base kind of wants. And you know what? If that's what your core player base wants fucking make it. I'm not going to argue.
0: Yeah. If, if so, there is a, an adventure in vanilla destiny 2, um, where you get to choose whether or not you sabotage something or blow something up. Um, and if they could bring that level of choice to more aspects of that game, Oh my God, it would be the absolute perfect game for me. Um, I was actually really
2: upset that I I didn't choose the blow it up option on accident. I accidentally chose the non-Titan option and I was very upset with myself.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to redo it on my Titan because I'm going to try to get the goddamn ship. I have to do, I have eight days to unlock all the armor and I have no way for my Warlock and my Titan. I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I'll try.
1: (laughs) All right, let's move away from Destiny Doom. We're going to talk about some WoW, so Joe, you'll have time to talk in a minute, <laughs> but we just got some information about Life is Strange 2 today, this afternoon. Way different than what I was expecting. Told you so. Uh, the fuck you talking about told you so? That the the kids in the backyard were going to be the main characters. Wait, was that them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't recognize that that was them. Oh, Interesting. Okay, I, I
3: was waiting for Vince to say I told you so. I never listened
1: to him. What the fuck do I care? Okay, Vince, run us through it, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, Don't Nod dropped the launch trailer for Life is Strange 2, which is coming out next month, which feels much closer than it did when we played Captain Spirit. <laughs> uh, we come to find out, like, kind of what, what we were looking at in this game, that uh, our protagonists <laughs> are Sean and Daniel Diaz, uh, a pair of brothers, uh, 16 and 9 years old, on the run because some shit went down in Seattle. Like, I remember playing Captain Spirit and picking up the paper and seeing the headline about uh, a police-involved shooting in Seattle and going, that seems like it's going to be important. Yeah. And it turns out it was because they they obviously don't say what happened, but there was gunfire, there was some sort of paranormal activity, there was exploded upside-down police cars, it was a bad scene, but Well, there was a dead cop, too. There was a knocked down
1: cop. Dude, that cop was dead. We don't know that. You don't flee to Mexico when you knocked a cop (laughs) down. (laughs) When you're a six,
3: oh, you know what, though? When you're a 16-year-old kid with a uh, Hispanic name, yeah, you kind of do. Okay, let's pause
1: right there for one moment, because I'm not going to play a privilege card here, because, again, but legitimately, I'm asking very, very fucking seriously. If you were 16... And I didn't know better, yes. And if you thought you had knocked a cop out, would you run to Mexico?
3: Well, here's the thing, right? The kid probably doesn't know whether that cop is alive or not. And all he knows is that before everything went down, he was being told to bite curb, essentially, with a gun drawn on him by a cop. Okay, so but you're is- you're
1: entering in something that I didn't put in because you're assuming that he doesn't know, which you're probably mm-hmm. right because that's fairly tropey. But what I'm asking is, because it, this is completely fucking different because I'm curious at this point here now. Okay. If you knew this cop was knocked out, would you at that age have headed to Mexico?
3: Maybe not Mexico, but I would have tried to leave the state. I'm not even joking. Okay.
1: No, and I, and yeah. I'm not judging I, that. I, I want it to fucking know. For all we
2: know, Mexico might be their closest family. Well, we that's realize. the thing.
1: It's mentioned in there, too, that they have, the, or they came from that village in Mexico or something like that. That's actually on the site. I was reading about that earlier. So that to me, that makes sense. So, but I, Sorry, I should have put that in my analogy that you would have family in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Would you go there to try to escape? If I had all family the, there, yeah, probably. Which knocked knock up there
0: from Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the kids I work with they would have done everything they could do to get away however they could get away. So yeah. It's a very real thing, yeah.
1: Oh, I don't doubt that. I I I know the privilege that I have living in Canada. Don't I never doubt that one minute. So it's just the extremes of it that are sometimes it's not that it's hard to believe but that sometimes even when there are elements that in life in reality that are that extreme putting into a story is still it's still because it is that extreme it's still kind of one of those where it's questioned too much so it's not always a good idea for a story to take it to the real realistic worst case scenario but this is life is strange so it's yeah. still one way or another. It still fits. We kind
2: of know thing. the turns the first one took. So exactly. So, yeah, Yeah. who knows? But but I like that uh, at least initially it's looking to be this. I don't want to say fun, but uh, this charming story of these two brothers trying to survive and helping each other out and getting by. And it's got Life is Strange music and it makes me feel happy inside. And that's all I want before it makes me feel sad and terrible.
1: Nobody else has got anything on that one
0: um i have i did not even have any chance to look at it today i've been running all day but i cannot wait for this game and i want to play it right now okay
1: it's interesting because they also said on the site that it, they are going to be introducing a quote unquote new power so it's not going to be rewinding time mm-hmm. it's not going to be doing whatever the fuck <laughs> captain spirit was doing uh but it's going to be something different so that's going to be kind of awesome to see what is going on here because it's not just that it's a power it's a gameplay mechanic that we're going to be using so i am justifiably curious okay let's move on from there joe you get to talk now well we both do because we're (laughs) playing fucking battle for azeroth and we got things to say so battle for azeroth have you actually been playing though yeah, he has. Okay, cool. Oh, I didn't realize how much you'd been playing. I thought I didn't realize you were back in that hard. So, Not okay, as hard well,
0: as I want to be, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm in.
1: Well, okay, then you didn't get a chance to talk about it last time. So, what have you been doing and what are your thoughts on it?
0: So far, uh, I have gone to Kaltaras with um, Jaina and I have seen. Uh, models of characters that i have wanted to have for a very long time like rail thin humans and bigger bulky humans and barrel chested uh jean tannin like humans uh from the lies of lock books uh what i did not like right away um and i want to get this out of the way is like i'm walking up with Jaina and i'm gonna go i'm willing to go get arrested with her um because of what she did killing her father at theramore and wait last time we talked about this I'm like i don't want to be hit with the idiot ball and as a character who has played in wow since like since launch i don't want to be anywhere near Jaina when she goes home to deal with her mom um what i do like is the uh the uh mercantile, mercantile feel uh regarding uh the Lady Ashvane quest. I had not gotten super far into that one. I've been going to, um, I went to the place with the witch first. What was that? You talked about it last week. Uh,
1: yeah, I went there. Dude, um, that zone is awesome.
0: That was so much fun. Like I loved the little kid adventurers guild. I thought that was so cool to do. I really, I don't know what about that, that I really enjoyed, but I really did enjoy that. Did um, you actually finish the zone? I have yet to finish the zone.
1: Okay. I'm not going to spoil anything, but what I really liked about the zone is how, how everything was so well connected. I certainly had a lot of issues with a few different things, particularly their reliance on, um, go find person X that's missing and go kill 10 of these quests. There were way too many, but I'm finding now that I'm questing on the Horde side, Not as bad, but still quite a number of them. But I found Drusvar to be horrible for that. But in terms of an overarching uh, narrative, which in this case is the witches, and the witches trying to control that section of, of Kulturas, so fucking well done. Because when you go to each of the different cities and whatnot you're getting different quests that are still tied to that overarching theme of having to deal with all of these witches and whatnot and working with those druids. So there's while there's a lot of uh, uh, different questing and different little storylines here and there, you're still getting this narrative of being engulfed in this world, this... Again, like I had said last week, of you know, uh, of supernatural in fable, and that that was perfect for me for that zone. It was like I finished every fucking quest I could. I spoke to everyone. The only thing I have not done is legitimately finish it by doing the uh, the quest in the dungeon.
0: I really do. What my favorite part questing so far has been has been the bonus adventures, uh, just because they feel more organic than. Um, the you know, go kill 10 pigs, which all right, buddy, I'll go kill 10 pigs. And I only got like one thing of bacon, which is kind of bullshit. Um, but what was fun about it was, you know, you're like looking around to see, like, oh, here's a charm I can get rid of, here's a hex bag I can get rid of, here's these flies. That to me was like, that's the kind of stuff like you make me go do. I'm going to enjoy doing that more because it feels more natural than like kill all the feral pigs because it's a mmo and we need you to go do stuff but i, I need to, i need to hear from joe about like his theories about battle for azeroth and how it's not exactly how it's uh being marketed
3: i mean i can but it's going to spoil some stuff for you guys if you guys don't mind a spoiler i'll be more than happy to talk about it
1: uh, i don't mind how, i can how big a spoiler are we talking about if you've done
3: really nothing on the Horde side, especially if you haven't done Nazmir, probably big spoilers.
1: Okay. I'm currently in, okay, oh, shit, the yep. desert area with the... That's Valdun. Okay, fucking love that zone, dude. Yes. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that. Those little fucking foxes, they're my best friends now. I love those little <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, for me,
3: it's the Tortolans.
1: The Tortolans are basically me yes, in they're... video game form. Yeah they are awesome too but <laughs> i will forget so i'm going to say it now best line i've heard yet in the game is from a Turtle because the 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 snake people in the game the sethrak uh are evil motherfuckers but there's no. also oh, yeah. i exactly there's this is one of the things i was going to talk about later too that well i will if i remember how as opposed to so much of the game that exists today with the exception of particularly humans and a little bit orcs, most of the time the faction has an identity and everybody or almost everybody in that faction follows in that identity. An exception being like, say, uh, Grim Totems with the the Tauri. Sure, yeah. Uh, but really you still don't get nearly enough of that. Whereas here... You're getting good Sethrack and bad Seth rack. You're getting good of this race and bad of this race. And uh, the trolls, the Zandelaris, good and bad. So you're getting a lot more of the gray instead of black and white. And I adore that. So there's a a faction of the Seth rack, the, the, the snake people, whose design, by the way, the artists that came up with that. Oh, they need a race. Fucking awesome design.
3: That's actually lifted from old school D&D. Oh, it's just beautiful.
1: The The word they did with that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you deal with these motherfuckers and they are not nice people <laughs> and they do some bad shit. But you also deal with these little foxes to go up against them and to fight them on, on different fronts. And the little the little foxes come across as, as basically Goblins 2.0. Yep, that's like exactly they realized the everything they fucked up, up with the goblins and they did it right with the vulp- the vul- vulpyr, is it or Volpira? Vul- yeah. So anyways, so there's you're you're working with these little foxes to sabotage the Sethrak because they've got uh they're they're enslaving uh kid foxes and they're they're selling them off like they're slave traders. So you're sent in by one of the foxes to sabotage the, the proceedings into kind of basically the, the one of the quests is you're going to light up fire all along so that when you're going to fight the boss later on, they also have to contend with the fire that you left behind, which this is not the first time they've done this in this game in this expansion. Now, anyway, you go and you are setting fire to the places where they've got um, several NPC characters that are going to be sold off. So the first one I free are little foxes. So they take off and they're happy as fucking pigs and shit. And they're running off and they're, 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 I've got the speech bubbles turned on now. So they're like, I never want to see another Seth Rack again. And they're running off all of them. One of the zones that you set on fire has these turtle people. So you set it on fire and the Seth Rack come after you to attack, but the turtle people, are like our whatever, are very slow to leave and they just kind of hobble along cool as shit. And each one of them is saying they couldn't afford me anyway. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> the best delivered line <laughs> like these, they're being sold by slave traders and they get freed. And it's like, oh, the motherfuckers couldn't afford me anyway. <laughs> yep. It's like, good on you guys, I love you. <laughs> Sorry, that was a r- tangent, but it was such a great moment that I wanted to get it out. <laughs> so keep going, Joe. Well, I mean, I don't know if you can remember there, where, where we were.
3: <laughs> so the things I will say is that that from the Horde side, the Horde side adds a lot of extra color to the last two expansions, which I think is really, really interesting. Uh, actually, yeah. Last three? Yeah. I mean, there's there's callbacks and, and tiebacks all the way to Miss of Pandaria, which I think is really, really important. Um, and it, it's starting to tie up a bunch of loose ends that have been in the story for a long time. And there's some cool moments, uh, but one of the most important areas is definitely Nazmir. Um, if that's why, like, I was recommending, like, people go there first because you get a lot, a lot of really cool
1: things um remind me that's the one with the blood trolls right yes that's that's literally where i just started because i finished the other one the other zone so i started on that this afternoon well this evening i should say so yeah so yeah that's it it seems like an interesting zone so far yeah with all the blood troll shit going on
3: now one thing i will just walk back a little bit and one thing i will say i appreciate is that the the voice actors for all of the trolls are far less racist sounding than before um I went through some of the lists of the voice actors that they've gotten um, and these are actually like people who are you know from that lineage or you know grew up and actually understand sort of that the the, the dialect that they're trying to portray. So it, it it's a lot better than where it was like overblown top Rastafarian with like the dark spear like we used to have and we got much more natural sounding trolls out of it and i actually really appreciate that it shows how far they've come as far as their care for voice acting it's not just people in a studio and like that they had like uh, you you were you were a qa worker yeah come over here you, you read these lines
1: see for me it's actually leading a lot more towards african now like yes it is way more like when when the princess is like saying zandalar forever <laughs> that's fucking wakanda forever
3: yeah, no, it, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's it's a huge uh reference to that. But like um the Zondalari uh the Zandalari loa of death, Bombsamdi, uh is voiced by Dave Fenoy, And it, he's absolutely fucking perfect of it. Yeah, like, yeah. The
1: voice acting is way better, horde side. I will say, way yeah. better, horde side. And it is because it is evoking these very strong emotions with the voice acting because it is. I've been getting again. It's it's, um, it's it's African Mayan, like a blend yes. of the two is what it is, and it's represented in. Everything that you see, the graphic design is spectacular in those pyramids. And everything that you, when you're looking at their um, their outfits and everything, like one of the best lines as well is when, when you're talking to the princess, uh, there's various quote-unquote canned lines that are just the random lines that they give you when you're done talking to them kind of thing. And one of them is, may your vestments be adorned with the skulls of your enemy. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, and 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 spoken in this like really powerful African sounding accent, and it was just amazing. It was like I want that on a fucking t shirt, <laughs> like with drawn skulls. <laughs> but oh, yeah, but yeah, it's there's like the the voice acting on Horde side is astounding with everyone. Now, and without
3: getting into uh, spoilers, because I want to try to avoid as much as possible, because each of the zones has a really great story and each one ties into the overall story that you get to experience as a player really, really well, but in their own individual ways, which I really appreciate. And it's not like uh, we've seen in the past where that's just like big, bad. It just happens to be in every single zone. It's not quite like that, um, which is, which is good. Um, the one thing I really want to give them a very big thumbs up on is the f- dungeons out of the gate all feel like they have an individual identity, which is very important to me. Um, one of the things that I always had a complaint for with a bunch of the old dungeons that we got when the expansions first released, they all felt very similar. They were either like, you know, and in, even in Legion, like they all were like, Oh, you know, green tinted, you know, oh, or, or fell tinted or whatever. Like they, that's what they felt like. Right. They always, they they had this weird sort of color palette and everything was very samey. And Everything sort of blended together. Here, every single one of the the dungeons that you have access to, Told Tol Gore Waycrest Manor, the Underroot, the Mother Load, Temple of Uh Sethralis, uh Atel Czar. Uh, and I think the other one that you can do that's not mythic is Shrine of the Storm. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, but they're all really, really good, and they all have really interesting callbacks like. So the underroot is very like a very much like a body horror like infestation type thing, and it's very much blood trolls and and it fits that area perfect. Um, then you go to Waycrest Manor, which is probably one of my favorite dungeons that they've ever had, because first of all, it's variable on which way you do the bosses because you're in a fucking haunted mansion. You're in a haunted mansion where the spirits are trying to guide you so that you can fucking free them, and. It's got everything from the cheesy campy over the top like organ playing from like the villain in the basement uh, as you're going through, as well as like all these callbacks to classic horror films and like going back to far like even the Hammer films, which as a horror movie buff, that's fucking great. I love that. Um, It's it's just a really different experience. And then you go into like Atal Dazar and it's that Mayan temple feeling. Uh, you go to the Temple of Sethralis, and it's very much a snake uh, type of dungeon where you, you're basically going into a den. It's really, really cool. And you have, like, the mother lode which is fucking Mad Max, but with, like, goblins. It is fucking great. Uh, it's just these cool little touches are really, really nice, uh, and everything ties in. And one thing I will say, and I'm not going to go into detail about it because I think it's a really cool discovery for people, is there are, as you progress through the different... Storylines and quests in the world because new ones open up as you uncover different things and, and, and discover different areas. You get special quests and there's one quest in particular that I found that ties back directly to Legion in a way that is unexpected and proves one of my f- fucking crackpot theories and I am so fucking happy about
2: it.
1: Is it easy enough to find?
3: You, it will be given to you when you hit a certain threshold. Okay, so like cool. you, you'll literally go to uh, the Zandalar main city, and the princess will give it to you.
1: Okay, all right.
0: So I stopped playing f- around February March of 2017, and uh, didn't finish uh, Legion on my Horde character. So, what? How much of Legion th- on the Horde side did I have to play through? In order to get that reference,
3: literally, did you watch the opening cinematics?
0: Oh God, yeah. No, I got that far.
3: Fantastic, you're covered. Perfect. Like I'm not even joking. Like it's one of those things where, because that that the opening of Legion left some very big and interesting holes in it, especially the Broken Shore stuff. Um, so this there's a lot of stuff that is starting to call back and tie up those loose
0: ends. I, I love shit like that. I like it when loose ends get occasionally tied up.
3: Yeah. And there and, and one of the things I appreciate about about Nazmir too is Nazmir is making callbacks to some of the books as well, um, especially War Crimes, which I think was Christy Golden, which would make sense since she's on the team now there doing questing and writing quest stuff. Um, but there's callbacks to that as well. Um, and even if you only know like the cursory overview of it, it's still enough for you to like, you don't have to have read the book to get it, which is cool. Um, there's just lots of nice little touchings. And plus, like Marty said, there's a lot more organic questing. And this is, like, Voldoon's a great example. I thought I was done with Voldoon. And then I found, like, three more quest hubs just randomly in the world that were giving me everything from disguising myself as other things uh, to infiltrate in, to, you know, uncovering art, to, you know, finding weird tablets and or or helping... This weird oasis dude talk to his dead friends because that was a cool weird thing that I just you know you just stumble upon. But it, it's this is probably the the best questing experience that they've ever had, and it's like they took the best parts of Legion, the best parts of Warlords of Draenor, learned from their mistakes, and put a package together that that sort of covers everything. Now time will tell if that remains okay and how quickly new stuff is added in. But from what I'm seeing, every time you're seeming like you're getting done, it's not daily quests you're going to do. Those are certainly there, but there are other things that you can do. And then as you unlock the warfront type stuff, you can go to the other island and you can do questing there. And there are a series of quests that lead you through various pieces of the other story, the other faction story which is good because you get to experience it one from a different point of view exactly. but to, but you don't miss out on it either cuz that was one of the biggest problems with like Legion and Warlords of Draenor and Mists is that you know unless it was a very generic quest you just missed out on that other the other side's perspective like you didn't know what the fuck was going on they're making an effort here to encourage players to experience uh the story of Zandalar uh from the alliance perspective to experience the story of Kul Tiras from a horde perspective. And it's really, really cool.
1: It's actually fairly interesting because I started off actually on my Alliance Hunter and the the plan was I wanted to unlock the culture ass as soon as possible because I was gonna make a new druid and only just found out a few days ago that that's not even unlocked gold. right now. You can't yeah. unlock them. So I've been kinda of wasting my time. So I was a little frustrated with that. So I switched towards side. But I'd unlocked the going to um zoduar to do some questing in there on my alliance guys so i'd already i'd already had contact with the Seth Rack, and enough so that Without spoiling too much, my initial reaction to them was, oh, I can see why they're not going to be an allied race for the Alliance, because holy fucking hell, Alliance isn't now all that nice to them. But then you come across the good faction of the Seth Rack, and you actually work with them. So it's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. So um, it it was interesting seeing it from both sides. Now, as someone that finished the entirety of the one... the, the, The two islands are split into thirds, for anybody who's not gotten that far yet. And so... I completed one-third, with the exception of the dungeon, at the very end. And then I was partway through both of the other islands, because I was kind of bouncing around a little bit between the zones. And then I moved over Horde side, and I finished one zone, and now I'm just started in the other one. The thing that I will say is that while the... Um, at least the first zone that I started for the, the Horde was very interesting-looking, the... Um, the design of the temples for the Seth Rack was very cool and different things like that. Overall, though, it's very generic. It's 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 a desert, so you kind of mm-hmm. have to expect that, but it's very generic. Whereas the on the Alliance side, where I started in the, in the dress bar area, it's gorgeous fucking everywhere. It just is such a lush, beautiful part of the world. It was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And while I enjoyed a lot of the lore of what they were doing in the the on the Alliance side, the actual questing a lot of the time, you had amazing quests, certainly, but you also had, like I said, those very generic time fillers that are just meant to waste your time. They're time sinks, and they are lazy and I'm forthright against them. Whereas on the horde side, yes, there are a few of those that are thrown in, definitely. But you're also, you're working with the foxes to sabotage the sale of their children and other races and things like that. You're doing all of these really impactful things going up against these Seth Rack that are... Um, trying to revive old fucking gods. You're going to, you're working with the trolls or no, that was the troll, not the Seth rack. You're, but the, the Seth rack are also trying to revive, to do weird, crazy shit with powerful gems that they're excavating and things like that. The, the, the extent of the lore may not be quite as rich as, as what it is on the Alliance side, but the questing is so much more impactful and, and that carries a hell of a lot of weight. And that's coming from somebody that has uh one tens on both sides that has always played both sides and enjoys playing both sides. Le- like legitimately, I feel this expansion thus far, the questing on the Horde side is, is so much better you're getting really really cool things that you're you're taking part in and that's that's the whole point
3: yeah and i I think it was necessary too especially after and this is from my my perspective um being painted as the big bad villains giving a rich a rich sort of questing experience sort of lessons that blow if that makes sense like it it sounds cheesy to say but it it, to me it makes sense because it's like you could still be a good member of the Horde doing good things while there are other people doing god-awful things. And I think we were talking about that before, like in the, the stuff that led up to it, you didn't get that choice. You didn't get that distinction. Here, you get that a little bit.
1: Oh, you get yeah. it a lot, it, depending on what you're doing. Like, yeah. case in point, the working with the the foxes, like the entirety of that that quest line you are helping this race and you don't have to you're doing it because they helped save you and they're 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 a good race and they're um they're helping you as well and so it's it's this symbiotic relationship certainly but you're going out of your way to to help them it's even though you're i was playing as a horde i felt like, I was doing so much good in that world, that part of the world kind of thing. And that was that was fantastic. And a large part of that isn't just about how they characterize the, the Vulpine uh, characters, but also how they wrote the quest to make it clear that, it's about your choices as your character you know mm-hmm. you're there as the emissary certainly but you're also there because you are helping the princess which leads to working with the trolls which then leads to working with the foxes but it's a very organic choice that you are making as a character all along and yes bane is there at the the capital city there but it's not you're not being made to feel as if well every once in a while from the Banshee Queen's Emissary, sure. But overall, you're on your own and you're just there to do everything that you can to entice them to join the 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 horde side, certainly. But everything that you do while you're there is your choice as the champion of the horde kind of thing. and so you're doing good things. and i I really appreciated that a lot and what I mean is like
3: the questing lets you choose whether or not you do anything in that hub because there are so many quests in so many zones. like, I, unlike the first quest I hit Valdun last, the first quest I did in Valdun did me to max level. So I didn't need to do every quest in every zone in order to to complete my leveling experience. So players can pick and choose if they're not a completionist. Or if you're like me, the stories are still good enough that completing all of them, even the little individual stories and the little quest hubs, feels rewarding. So like, it's... It, it's a minor choice, but it's still a good choice. It's something that you generally haven't had before, because like in Legion, you literally had to go through every single quest question, every single zone to hit max level. You just had to. There was no way around it, um, unless you were just doing nothing but running dungeons. Uh, here, it just it feels much more player driven, which is something we've been asking for. But that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm really enjoying myself. Um, I really am enjoying doing the dungeons and exploring the world and learning about like what you can and can't do in that city. So
1: one of the coolest things, and then I'll, I'll stop there. that I I experienced in this game as you are going through that area, the desert area where you meet the little Fox people and the the serpent people and whatnot, um, as you're doing some of the questing, you're you're the the seth that the, the quote-unquote evil faction of it is excavating relics and, and whatnot so you're going to these different um archaeological dig sites essentially and you're kind of um you're also working with the the vulpine people because they are being enslaved to work for the the snake people so what's funny though is once again these are goblins 2.0. They they're they're they do a lot of the same things that the goblins do, but they're a lot cuter. They're a lot more charming. They're a lot more. They're not as full of themselves and things like that. So it works on every level. But they're thieving little bastards. The first time I saw the one, it was actually stealthed in the Sethrak area, and I realized oh, it's stealing something. Because they do that. They go to the same excavation place. And as the Sethrak are there and working too, they are stealing different things from them. So you kind of get used to seeing this, these little stealthed foxes, different places. And I was on my mount at one point. Now this is, I'm a Torn, so fairly high off the ground. And yes, I play third person but still it's it's it is different when you play a tauren than other races and all of a sudden this stealthed fox is coming running beside me and as i'm looking down at it it's carrying a rocket (laughs) it stole a rocket and like this cartoonish bugs bunny like shaped like an arrow kind of rocket with a fuse at the end and it's stealth and it's running away with it it was like well you don't see that every day in a game (laughs) But it it adds so much to the feel of that zone because you have such um, profound things that if you actually break down what these... Sethrach are doing, not just in terms of trying to steal power and resurrect and things like that, but the, the actual slave trading in particular, where they are t- selling children off, was really made me kind of stop when I got to that point because it was like, holy fucking hell, like that's that's taking a, a chance there in, in terms of questing. And um and so it was it was well done. But then to lighten that, you also get these moments of Looney Tunes hilarity from these these little Vox people every once in a while that just makes you smile and have fun in the zone at the same time. So, with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap. We ran a little bit long, but we had a lot to talk about. So, thank you for joining us. You can find the show notes at forthelore.com. You can also find us at Twitter at forthelore. Individually, Joe is loaders at J, Vince is Simodian, and Marty is Officer Gleason. And you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us some comments there, and we will talk to you guys next week.
0: Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes, and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.